You look up. See a plane. It's a lumbering giant propelled by two massive jet engines, wings spanning outward hundreds of feet. Then, you look down. Continue to swipe at Instagram. My mission with this podcast is to get you to look just a bit longer and consider the hundred years of design that went into creating this marvel of technology. Then you can stare down at your manipulative piece of technology. Combustion is great. Partially if you're a ten-year-old and like blowing stuff up, and partially for making combustion engines. A combustion engine works by creating small controlled explosions in piston chambers. This chamber moves the piston outwards, and the end of the piston is connected to a crankshaft. The crankshaft is now spinning, and on the end of the crankshaft is a propeller, which you happen to want spinning. In the case of a car, there's just a wheel on the end, but cars are not quite as interesting, because, you know, they don't really fly or anything. Combustion engines were all well and good until flying wanted to be more interesting, because that's how that works. That's when Frank Whittle discovered when you compress air and fuel, it explodes and creates thrust. Explosion is very popular with these engine-type folks. This is when aviation really took off. Now they had a very powerful engine, and planes could be used for travel instead of just military, which is what most of the propeller engines were for. Jet propulsion advanced for a while, until the X-1 was invented. This was around 1947. The Bell-1 was flown by Chuck Yeager. He had been a test pilot for years previous, and the X-1 flight was his claim to fame. The X-1 was a plane capable of going Mach 1. Mach 1 is just above the sound barrier. Or, well, no, it is the sound barrier, which makes a bit more sense because Mach 1 is based on the sound barrier. Anyway, we have ramjets now that can go Mach 6. But that doesn't quite count, because most of these aren't manned. The X-1 was kind of interesting, because it couldn't actually take off on its own. It had to be dropped from a plane. Chuck Yeager actually had to climb down from the plane into the Bell 1 during the flight. The Bell X-1. Close enough. Anyway, this climb was actually quite terrifying. He only had a metal sheet protecting him from the winds, and the winds outside of a plane are strong. It was only a couple feet into the cockpit, but that's gotta feel like a lot when you're basically outside of a plane. One interesting thing is Chuck actually flew the plane while he had broken ribs. He broke his ribs in what he called a disagreement with a horse. Not everyone thought that he could fly the plane with broken ribs, but Chuck knew that if he could just get into the seat, then he could fly the plane. Chuck was then the first person to go Mach 1 in a plane. Pretty cool, knowing you're going faster than sound itself. The Bell 1 was nicknamed Glamorous Glennis by Chuck Yeager, nicknamed after his wife. Almost offensive, seeing as it weighed 6 tons. Here are a couple clips from an interview with Chuck Yeager. One was mine. Because the old man said, okay, it's your program, get with it. And the only reason he picked me is because 
I was trained in maintenance, and I understood systems, and on an airplane. We didn't look at ourselves as heroes, pioneers, or anything else. It's if we didn't do it, somebody else would. No airplane had ever flown much above 90% of the speed of sound until we got the X-1 up there. Every flight that we made, we were in a region where no one had ever had an airplane before. In fact, we didn't even have any wind tunnel data in that region. So it was every day something new. On October 14, 1947, a B-29 with Jaeger aboard and his X-1 slung beneath it took off. Jaeger probably shouldn't have been flying. I was hurting because I'd been in a horseback riding accident. I broke a couple of ribs and hurt my shoulder a couple of nights before. And uh, I wasn't feeling too good, but the point was uh, I made the decision to fly the airplane. Came back into Bombay, got on the ladder, and, and they slid the ladder down to your office, the nose on the X-1, and you're sitting here about 12,000 feet above the ground, the wind blowing on you, you slide in feet first. That's the way you got into the X-1. itself just went as expected. Uh, we'd been having a lot of trouble with fires in the tail of the airplane and igniters that wouldn't work. Fortunately, they all worked that day, and uh, and we pushed the thing out, and really, uh, once we got the mock jump on the mock meter and all the buffeting smoothed out, we got our first sonic boom here, then it almost was a letdown. The combat experience I had made me a very disciplined pilot, meaning that I learned to control my emotions and feelings toward the outcome. It didn't make any difference to me whether the X-1 flew into a million pieces or not. See, because I couldn't do anything about it. So I put it out of your mind. You do that in combat. I realized that the so-called sound barrier really restricted us from going any faster. And once we got the X-1 above the speed of sound and smoked on out to Mach 2 and then beyond, so we realized, hey, this opens up the whole universe for us. Podcast finished. Over. Completed. Gone forever.